When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mind. It's Tuesday, it's 12.30. I'm Natasha Meikle and I'm delighted to have a, a good cast with me today. I've got James, I've got Lawrence and I have got Liam. Now, it's a nice sunny day. It's been a great Easter weekend. There's been another Derby win. What's not to love? Guys, how are you? James, you're first on my screen. I'll come to you first. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I couldn't be better after that result on Saturday. I hope everybody watching had uh, a great Easter weekend. And we've got some records to set straight. There's some narratives flying around from the blue side of Glasgow that we have to set straight. Absolutely. Liam, I see you there in your great pink goalie top. Um, We'll (laughs) come on to talk about Joe Hart and his performance, but how was your weekend? Oh, it was great, yeah. yeah. Um, Especially, we we had a bit of an astronomical event here last night. The, uh, the, uh, The International Space Station flew over. And um, apparently they still can't see the Rangers coming. So, Oh, Liam. Liam, what a start we're off to. <laughs> That's the sort of chat I expect from the other man on my screen, Lawrence. <laughs> a good Easter weekend for you, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, lovely, nice and quiet business as usual on the park. You know, uh, fairly dominant performance. I was reading uh, Tony McLaughlin's Celtic trends. And, and, and despite the narratives out there about how good they were and how we didn't win, they lost. Well, you know, when you score more goals in the opposition, you definitely win. Uh, and on Celtic trends, by every me- measure, we outperformed them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it's a bit, a bit of an interesting one that you can so resoundingly spank the opposition and they think they should have won. But, well, you know, that's it. Let's talk about the game. Get in touch with reality. We actually win it, didn't we? We did actually win the game, um, contrary to, to some beliefs out there. And I think overall, Lawrence, like you say, we, we did deserve to win it. You know, our game management was better. It won us the game. And on top of that, we had more possession, we had more shots, we had more chances, more corners, our passing accuracy was better. So I'm very confused as to how we didn't win that game, particularly given the key stat that we scored more goals. And it's really symptomatic of the players and the side that Andrew's built. They just seem to be able to to find a way to win games. It does speak to that strong mentality of the, the squad. Um, and we needed that on Sunday. You know, in terms of the performance itself, I'm not sure we were at our best. I don't think her passing was as clinical as it usually is. I don't think that the midfield and the front three were connecting as well as normal. Um, James, how much of that do you think can be put down to, to the way that Rangers were set up and the way they played, particularly to start with, 
you know, they're pressing high, they're pressing fast. Is that, you know, can that be contributor for some of the errors that we saw in terms of our own play and our own passing? Yeah, they were much differently set mm-hmm. up to how they were in the, the League Cup final. They, they were coming at us really fast and they were forcing a lot of our players, the players who are usually very clinical and we can rely on for a superb pass, the likes of your Aaron Moyes or your Matt O'Reilly. So it was only really that first sort of first half an hour really where there was some errors in the Celtics game but as we started to sort of ride the wave of chaos that Rangers were throwing at us this class of the Celtic team prevailed. I don't know where this there's a narrative coming from that Rangers were better on the day. Celtic it was a, a team performance, a combined effort. You could probably pick out around six or seven players that put in really good performances in that Celtic team whereas for the Rangers team it was really a one man show. It was the man at right back putting them on their back really for that entire game. So I don't know where that narrative's come from, but the class prevailed on the day and Celtic extended the gap. They certainly they certainly did. Um, Liam, we, like James, we weren't at our best maybe in the first 30 minutes or so, but it is the old cliche, isn't it? It's a sign of champions that they can grind out results and win games even when they aren't playing their best, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that has been the difference this season is that there's plenty of games this season where we have picked up the three points where... No disrespect to previous managers or previous teams, but perhaps if Ange wasn't there and we didn't have this group of players, those three points could have been one point, you know. Um, and I think that, that that was another one of those games at the weekend there where we were not at our best. We were still better than them, but we were not at our best. Um, got the job done and got it done with a bit of class, I think. And, uh, yeah, I really, um, you know, I read a thing, I think it was on Friday, by... Uh, Barry Ferguson talking about how, you know, it was all it was all bluster and how, you know, Rangers are going to go for the jugular right from the off, whatever. And I said, you know, that's exactly why they're going to fail. Mm. Because the blood and snorters approach doesn't work anymore. You know, that's, that's an old school way of thinking. And the Celtic, with the way they play good passing, aggressive but fair football, that is the future. And until Rangers realise that, they're not going to get near us. Yeah, I think, Lawrence, I think it's one of these games, and there's been a few of them this season, that are actually an easier second watch. So while it feels maybe a little bit tighter and a little bit more nervy at the time, if you actually watch it again, knowing the score and with a bit of that pressure taken off you, the gap was still there, wasn't it? Yeah, listen, third, fourth, fifth and sixth watches get better as well. (laughs) Definitely ages well. But... For their approach to the game, for them complaining about what their, their term wasn't a fill, you know, he pulls them one way, pushes them the other. If Johnson does that to Morelos, it's a penalty. Outside of the box, the players were uh, rolling about with the slightest touch. You know, Cantwell seems to have a love affair with the tough. Uh, you know, he's not much a footballer on line, you know, lying about pretty quickly. They get back in the game with a the best dubious free kick, it looks like O'Reilly gets the ball. I don't think he should have dived in and said it on the day, but it looks like he gets the ball and diverts it. Carter Vickers gets an early yellow card. Doesn't even look as if he touches Morelos. And they were going down with the slightest touch, and that seemed to be their tactic to get balls into the Celtic box to try and create something from that. Uh, so it's a bit ironic they actually complain, you know, when their player gets punished for pushing someone. But, we will. Yeah, miles ahead at, at, at the end of the day. Yeah. Bernabe should have had a shot, put it through. You know, we missed a few chances. There's a shout for a penalty with all. We really weren't in danger at all, ever. Yeah, I think, like you say, when you come back and watch it again, it does certainly feel more comfortable. And we are definitely in the show, we have got plenty to talk about because we will be talking about some of the referee decisions and we will be talking about the outrageous treatment of Clancy following that game. We will come on and talk about it. But let's start with some of the more positive aspects. In particular, I want to talk about some of the key performances for us because there were a few of them and there were a few very good performances, really solid performances, but for me, none more so than than Alistair Johnston. He got man of the match. For me, that was an obvious decision. I thought he was brilliant. He made some really crucial tackles throughout that game. Tackles you actually didn't even expect him to win. You know, we saw in his debut and we saw again on Saturday this derby absolutely doesn't face Alistair Johnston. If anything, he thrives under it, James. I think for Alistair, he's a guy who loves his football, but he loves the passion and aggression that goes with it. And these 
fixtures have that in abundance. So this is where he really shines. He did again on Saturday. James, I'm saying he was my man of the match. What did you make of, of Alistair Johnston on Saturday? I would have had a different man of the match. Maybe a bit of personal bias, but I would have had the man up front, Kyogo. Mm. But I think for Alistair Johnston, him, his first game was the Derby eyebrows, a baptism of fire, as he described it. And that's probably the best way he could have started a Celtic career. There was people saying after that game, they looked like he's been playing on a Celtic shirt for five years. And some of the tackles he's put in the first the first half, it was it was really solid. And it wasn't, there's a bit of a misconception about Alistair Johnson that he's just a bit of a brute that fans would get atta- attached to. It's a bit of a hard man who just go through mm-hmm. someone. But it's not that, it's perfect tackles. Perfectly timed, I think it was one on Tillman just around the halfway line. Perfectly timed, perfectly executed. And some of his bursts of pace as well, he's got a very fast player in Ryan Kent a couple of yards ahead of him. They absolutely burns him for pace. Nips in, gets the ball, goes round Ryan Kent, then starts getting Celtic back up the park. It's just phenomenal defending, a brilliant acquisition. And dare I say, an upgrade on Josip Juravic. I'm not a big fan of sort of judging players too soon, the sort of recency bias. But mm-hmm. I think I've got to say, Alistair Johnson is a definite upgrade. And we know how good Josip Juravic was at Celtic, especially in these Derby games. He showed that in the 3-0 game especially, but... Alistair Johnston, it's fair to say, for me at least, he's an upgrade. Yeah, I think so, Lawrence. You know, it speaks to me a great volume about the scouting work that was done on Alistair Johnston. Not only is he a fantastic player, as as James has pointed out, but he has the right temperament and the right attitude to be exactly what we needed. Like James touched on, Juranovic was one of our best players in this Angira. He was one of the best fullbacks at the World Cup. On paper, losing a player like Juranovic should have been a nightmare. But on the pitch, it hasn't been. And that's because of Alistair Johnston not just being an able replacement, being arguably, like James touched on, an an upgrade. And more importantly, being ready to go from the first minute since he came in. But but is it not the execution of our kind of business strategy? Mm -hmm. We buy a player, we sell him on for a decent profit in Juranovic. We've already identified his replacement. Indeed, got him in the door before Juranovic is out. Mm-hmm. He's a, an upgrade on Juranovic. That's how our, our business model should work when it works well. Uh, mm-hmm. Money in a match for the past two games. Absolutely outstanding player for us. Uh, and Ange said that, you know, it, it's more just about than his ability on the park and his heart. When he, when he spoke to him, he knew he was the right fit for the team. And seems to get that players that fit in well with the team, doesn't he? He and does. Anyone that seems to have caused, you know, any couple of moans, Yakimakis is gone. Yanovic is gone. You know, you want to be here, you don't. You know, because we will continue winning without you. We'll replace you. We'll move on. And we certainly have done that, Liam. We're we're talking about the the impact that Alistair Johnson has had since he came in and something Lauren mentioned, Lauren's mentioned there was the sort of person he is and the way that that has been scouted and credit to the backup team for doing that. We saw after the game the videos of him in the number seven restaurant, I believe, <laughs> talking to the fans, um, drinking out the bottle, enjoying his time. It's great to see someone enjoying being at Celtic so much, isn't it? And yeah, anyone who decides after the game the best way of hydrating is drinking straight out the bottle is my kind of guy. So fair play, Alistair Johnson. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I mean, uh, gr- growing up in, in Glasgow, as I did, I'm no stranger to a bottle out of the fridge, so, uh, you know, nothing wrong with that. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, you can see that this is a guy who obviously came from the Canadian ice hockey background because he's got that no-nonsense, get-stuck-right-in approach that you, if anybody watches NHL hockey, you see that in every team, you know. The, I, think, I think he is like... Um, the, in, in ice hockey, they call it the enforcer, the guy who just like, steps in and sorts out any issues um, physically. And uh, yeah, he is that character. But apart from that, he's a very, very good defender. And it's hard to believe that we had a player in Juranovic who, you know, made it to the, the, the latter stages of the World Cup. And yet we really are not missing him at all. Yeah. That's that's the incredible side of it and the incredible scouting, as you mentioned before, to to find a guy like Johnson who, let's be honest, you know, three months ago none of us had heard of him. But he's walked right into that team and does not look out of place at all. Yeah, so I just I'll it to on the, the transfer strategy. When Josip Juravic mentioned an interview when he was at the World Cup, 
that even he was surprised when he saw Celtic were linked with a right back and then signed the right back. So if Celtic are ahead of the curve of us, we're we're not expecting anything. They're ahead of the players. The players aren't expecting anything. The players are thinking, oh, I might have a move. I'll be behind the scenes here. We'll see what happens. Then they're stunned when Celtic sign a replacement. Celtic are so far ahead. And I think we've probably already planned the summer transfer window and perhaps even the winter transfer window to come. We're so far ahead. And it's a testament to Ange Postacoglu and everyone that he works with, the job they've done so far. Absolutely. It really is. Another great bit of business and someone I want to talk about um, is Jota because his stats following that weekend were a goal or assist for every 88 minutes in the league this season. And again, a player we eventually ended up buying for only roughly six, six and a half million. Again, you know, for the type of quality we've got in there, that's great business, great scouting and should be absolutely commended. I think, you know, Jota, he was leading up to this game, in my opinion, getting some misplaced criticism that he didn't always perform the best in the derby games, that he didn't quite turn up in them, but he certainly made a massive contribution to this one. I mean, the way he took that goal, if you remember a week or so back on the Celtic social media channels, there was the clip of Jota watching footage of the Larson goal, the Larson chip, as we all remember it by. And you could tell as Jota watched that, that he wanted to try it that he wanted to try that sort of Larson goal. And he tried, he did end up scoring a very Larson-esque goal, maybe not the, the same one, but it was very similar. Um, and Henrik himself also reposted Jota's goal from the weekend, so there is some endorsement there. If you haven't already seen one of Larson's goals and Jota's put together, um, go and have a look at the Celtic social media channels because it is uncanny. Um, and if the king himself is, is endorsing your goal, you know you've done something right but the thing I love about Jota Lawrence is the way that he seems to be really enjoying this football enjoying playing at Celtic and you saw it before in the clip before the game of him listening to the song I think there has been established a really strong connection between Jota and the fan base he's a player I really enjoy watching and he seems to be a player that really enjoys playing and he was certainly on form on Saturday wasn't he I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, well, you know, he's attacking winger and he's going to get that opportunity to get a lot of the ball in this team in attack. He seems to have a connection with the fans, you know, it was at last close season, he's having a kick about in New York with a couple of them. Uh, he's over the moon getting his own song. Yeah, he's just getting better game on game. Uh, absolute outstanding talent. So it's going to be great watching him develop and uh, that, that goal was, you know, it was absolute class. He's absolutely retired Alan McGregor there, hasn't he? It was off it, it, it was just brilliant to watch, you know, really sharp there. But yeah, he's, he's, he's doing it in the big games now. And let's be honest, that, that's what you, you want players to do it in the big games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what One thing about it. that goal um, that I, I spotted on my second or third watch, as it was, Lawrence, um, I don't know if anyone else spotted it. He, when he was chasing down that ball and easily beating McGregor to it, Kyogo was already out pushing on to Tavernier to chase him down just in case. As the ball goes into the net, Carter, Vickers and Johnston both drop to the ground in celebration and it just shows how much it means to that squad. And Liam, I don't know if you picked up on it watching it back, but if you haven't, go and watch it. As, as good yeah. as Johnston's finish is, there's some great celebrations going on in the background. The highlight of that, that goal for me is if you watch back the, um, the, the slow motion freeze frame, you can almost pinpoint the exact millisecond that Jota crushes Alan McGregor's soul. It's really quite, it's quite a joy to watch. <laughs> but um, no, it really was just a, a thing of beauty. Um, and, you know, it's one thing to chase down a ball. If you think about it, um, you know, all of our goals at the weekend came from the philosophy of we never stop. You know, the first goal was consistent pressure, which gave a bit of space for O'Reilly, who was then able to find Kyogo, and Kyogo just does what Kyogo does. 
And then the second and third goals were both a case of basically harassing their defenders until they gave the ball away. Then we took full advantage. Um, you know, that is exactly what, what Ange has been hammering home at the players ever since he came in. And it must be so satisfying for him just to sit back and watch that pay off. Um, because the other great thing is that Jota is, in a sense, a bit like Joe Hart. You know, he's a guy who was on the fringes at Benfica, needed to go somewhere where he would be loved and have a manager that would take him under his wing. And uh, he has repaid it by becoming an absolute star. And um, Ange seems to have a real talent for that. Uh, one th- on one hand, he unearths these great talents in Japan, Korea, Canada, wherever. But he also seems to have a great talent for rejuvenating players that he knows have got the ability but maybe have gone a wee bit astray. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of, of looking at it. One thing that you mentioned there is that we sort of never stop attitude and the tenacity of the players resulting in the goals. James, one thing we spoke about at the top of the show was whether our passing was maybe not as sharp as it usually is because of the pressure that they are putting on in their high press. Look at some of the mistakes that they made that led to goals. That was because of the way we played, because of the way that Ange likes to play football and our pressing, wasn't it? Yeah, we absolutely forced them into the mistakes. It's calamitous from John Suter, to say the least. And when you've got a foot race between Jota and Al McGregor, it's a bit like pitting myself against Usain Bolt. There's only going to be one winner in every single scenario. If you're a Doctor Strange, look at every single scenario. Jota's going to win that race in every single one. And it's, it's a brilliant finish, as you said, the comparisons between him and Henry Larson's goal. I don't think he was just watching it, he was studying it. It's absolutely brilliant from Jota. He's signed for games like this. The Champions League games in particular and a lot of the Derby games he's played and I think he's shown. I don't know where the criticism of him not performing in Derby games has come from. That's what, two memorable Derby goals now this season alone? A lot of players don't get two memorable Derby goals in their entire Celtic careers. Jota, he's just a phenomenal player. It's a very good point you made as well. I didn't even notice Kyogo making the run, but that's the player. Mm-hmm. Kyogo is the right place at the right time. Another player who never stops. And he's always pressing, especially Dyson Maeda as well. I didn't think he had his most liveliest game, but he still did his job. The entire front three, a lot of people are saying at half-time they weren't getting maybe the service that would have been required, but I thought they still did the job and the quality shone through in the second half. It did. We've spoken about in this section about the Rangers goalkeeper, Alan McGregor. Who knows whether he will still be there next season. I believe he's waiting to the summer to, to make his mind up on that. But let's talk so. about our goalkeeper. <laughs> let's, talk about, let's talk about Joe Hart because he is one that started to slightly divide opinion, I think is maybe one way of saying it. Um, and the goal that he conceded from the Tavernier free kick at the weekend is one that's continued to divide opinion. In the stand... At the time, I thought it was a very good free kick and that there was nothing he could have done about it. But there was a bit of debate. Having seen multiple replays, I'm still unconvinced. It's com- the free kick's coming in hard. It clips the underside of the bar. It is going to be very difficult to do anything with. But do we expect a Celtic goalkeeper to save that? It's not in the corner. I don't think his footwork's great. He takes a couple of steps to his right that don't actually get him any further to his right. Do we expect him to save it? For me, again, like I said, I think it's a pretty big ask, but I know that plenty of people think, yes, he should have got to it, and that's led on to some discussion about whether it's a position we'll look to strengthen in the summer. For me, Lawrence, Hart's been one of Angie's best signings. He's, you know, he's, in terms of his ability, his the experience, the stability brought to that back line. You even saw it when McGregor was booked, that leadership and Hart being over an instant taking charge of the situation. But if we're looking to progress, if we're looking to progress in Europe, firstly, I'm going to ask you, should he have saved it? And secondly, is it a position we need to look at in the summer? Should this, you know, it's two or three foot inside the post. It's off the underside of the bar. Listen, if he saves it, it's a great save, isn't it? You know, it's not an easy save to make. So so it's one of those, I think, that's stopped for the debate. You'd expected him maybe to get closer to than he got. And if he keeps it out, you're like, that's a brilliant save. I think he could have made a better effort. That then he got because he was quite a bit away from it. He's what thirty five now, so we know, you know, his career's on. You know, he's at the latter end of his career. So, it, but with Celtic, I think 
it's not just Joe Harwood we're looking to replace. I think Tosh and team are constantly tasked with looking at every position in that park, finding players that can improve us. I don't think, you know, anyone's position safe in the squad. And just, you know, as well as the team not stop, stopping, you know what, the scouting team aren't allowed to stop. They're out there all the time looking for players that can improve us. Joe Hart's an easy one to see that you go, yeah, he's at the tail end of his career. He's going to, just by dint of that, you'd expect him to, be, to need to be replaced you know, sooner than I don't know, someone like Kyogo, just be, because he's age or, or real Hattati. So, yeah, it, it, I, I think the, the way we're operating, we're constantly looking across all 11 positions about people that can improve us. And Joe Hart, yeah, you, you know, he's been a great signing for us, but if we can get an improvement on him, on us, I don't think uh, Andrew will be uh, sentimental about it. I think he'll go in and get a better player and, and sign him. It's not his it's not his style to be sentimental, that's for sure. Alan Robertson's coming on YouTube, so thank you for everyone who is watching on YouTube along with Alan. We appreciate the comments. Please do keep them coming. Alan has come in and said, um, take the wall away, you shouldn't be a keeper 25 yards out. It's a good free kick, but Liam, for you, should, should Hart be saving that? Uh, to be honest, no. No, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I was a goalkeeper myself at a very low level when I was younger, and... Uh, no, you can't let you slate for that. It is a it is a beautifully struck free kick. Credit where it's due. Um, whenever a striker takes a free kick, they, or you know, anybody takes a free kick, the aim is to try and get it just under the bar, and it clips the bar and goes in. To me, that is a very very difficult shot to save. Now, can it be saved? Yes, but you need to know exactly where it's going, exactly how it's going to travel, and you know. I've seen replays. There's a good bit of you know action in the ball when it when it a bit of swerve. Um, it struck with power. It struck quickly. Um, no, I, I don't think so. But I think more importantly, Joe Hart makes a crucial save from about six yards from Morelos when it was still one each early into the second half. Um, now Morelos did kind of make it easy for him. It's a good height for him, but he still has to make the save. And I, you know, again goalkeeper's hat on here but I do think it's a wee bit unfair that a big fuss is being made of the free kick which I don't personally think he could have saved um, but very little is being said about that Morelos save which was far more important to the eventual outcome of the game Yeah, he does bring out the big saves at the right time of course Lawrence touched on his age as well he isn't anyone, a keeper who's getting any younger none of us are um, but do we have adequate backup. Michael89 comes in on YouTube to say, is Segrist a realistic number one? James, for me, we've we've not seen enough of Segrist yet. We're, he's not even getting his, his place on the bench anymore. I believe he's had injury problems. So really, so far, there is nothing that we've seen from Ben Segrist to say that he can be a realistic number one replacement for Joe Hart. And with Joe Hart being at the age he is, we really do need to be bringing that in sooner rather than later, don't we? Yeah, we've seen from Benjamin Segrist's time at Dundee United, he's a solid shortstop. We've seen that in games against Celtic, especially. He's a solid shortstopper, but that doesn't make you a Celtic quality goalkeeper. I think you've got to buy, I'd, I'd like a young goalkeeper who could replace Joe Hart in two years' time. I think Celtic and a lot of people behind the scenes thought it was Toby Oliwayemi, but we saw his first game playing for Cork City, it was an absolute clanger. So I, I don't know if we'll be seeing him around the team anytime soon. He might not be the keeper Celtic thought he was. But if Celtic are looking to improve for the Champions League next season, I think one of the last things Ange Postecoglou has to tick off to sort of complete his time at Celtic is a bit of success in Europe. And I think if he's going to do that, there's two positions I would improve, and that's goalkeeper and centre-back. But to be fair to Joe Hart, he's... A solid, a solid shot stopper. Which, when you're Celtic in Europe, you don't. I don't think you need a goalkeeper who can play it from the back. You need a goalkeeper who can sort of stop, stop the opposition, just do his job. Because the teams are always going to be coming at us, knocking on the door. When you're coming up against a Real Madrid or a Barcelona, teams like that, you need a goalkeeper like Fraser Forster was for us in Europe on so many occasions. Someone that can just keep the opposition out. Someone you can rely on. But as Liam was saying, I think people have been a bit unfair to Joe Hart after that derby performance. I think the free kick, it's a phenomenal free kick. It's unsavable. It's not some error you'd think he'd allowed an on-rushing attacker to go around him and put in the opposition's third goal. 
the way the criticism's flying in at him. But I think the main talking point about Joe Hart should be the Kraken save he makes to deny Morelos, as Liam mentioned. It's an important save and an important moment in the game where the pendulum could have swung anyway. At some point, Celtic will need to replace Joe Hart, but there's a lot of unfair criticism levelled at him. And I think we need to sort of just temper our expectations of Joe Hart a little bit. I think that sums it up pretty well, James. Certainly for me, Joe Hart's been an outstanding sideline, been an outstanding player for us. Um, I'm absolutely in no rush to replace him anytime soon, but fully appreciate that given the age he is at, the time will eventually come and he'll be remembered fondly by the Celtic fans, I'm sure. But let's not retire the guy just yet. We've already saw one keeper might as well retire at the end of the, the game on Saturday. Let's not try and do that to another. Another player I want to talk about is Aaron Moy and I'm definitely not bringing this up to give Aaron Moy a hard time everyone knows that Aaron Moy is a firm favourite of mine has been fantastic for us all season and a really great bit of business getting him in on the free there was a risk putting him in to the team um, on Saturday after he'd been out with an injury for a bit um, but when Ange confirmed that Hitati was going to be out there was a lot of discussion around who should be in the midfield and I, I put a, a post up on Twitter to try and gather some feedback on that and 90% of people said Aaron Moy. So people were expecting and did want Aaron Moy to start. I think everyone knew there was going to be a bit of a risk but we wanted them to play because we know what he's capable of. We knew we'd be missing Hitati. We knew Moy had the ability to control the middle of the park. Lawrence, he didn't quite manage that to his own abilities um, on Saturday, did he? I think he was slightly slack. He was a little bit off it. I think particularly at the start, the game started at 100 miles an hour. Rangers really came out flying. They needed to. And I think that passed Moy by a bit and probably forced a few errors he doesn't normally make. Um, if you remember, you know when he first came in, he did take a few games to get up to the speed of the game. He took a few games to get himself really fit. And I think coming back from injury he might not have been quite as sharp as he normally was. Um, for me, it was a risk worth taking. I don't think he was at his best. Um, but Wata certainly made a difference when he came on, didn't he? Transport yourself back in time and explore the fascinating and harrowing story of the Titanic's maiden voyage. Now open at Kosai. Don't miss Titanic, the Artifact Exhibition. This epic exhibit features over 200 authentic artifacts recovered from the ocean floor. Discover poignant passenger and crew accounts and majestic recreated interiors, including the iconic Titanic Grand Staircase. Tickets for Titanic the Artifact Exhibition are on sale now. Book your voyage at COSI.org. Yeah, look, Moy looked like a player coming back from, from injury. And I remember Frank McGarvey saying, uh, you know, it takes five or six games to get your max sharpness back. And I think yeah, Moy was just caught a bit cold coming back from injury. I don't think it was terrible, you know, but it was an easy sub to make. Uh, you know, we still controlled the midfield when he was on the park. You know, he wasn't absolutely absolutely awful. He just wasn't at his usual high standards. Yeah. He wasn't there coming back for injury and he wasn't quite at the top of his game. Awata, come on. Another flawless performance from him. I think, you know, he's looking better every time we see him. I would have probably started with Awata. I was a wee bit worried about O'Reilly, who's his form had been off a bit, but I think, you know, Matt definitely rose to the occasion, put in a cracking performance. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure he should have dived in. I'm not too sure it was a free kick. You know, it looks like he gets, gets a tone of ball and diverts it, but I, I don't think he should be diving in, you know, the last minute of the first half. But, you know, before the game, I think the player we were worried about was O'Reilly and it, it was really Moy that was you know, just not his usual high standards. But you're going to get it when you come back from injury now and again, aren't you? It, he needs to go up to the pace of the game. Yeah, that's it. I think that's what I put it down to, to Liam, is that he was just coming back from injury. He was maybe just a little bit off his own standards and off his usual standards. But one thing that impressed me was when Awata came on, we almost instantly extended our lead and he really seemed to show up the middle of that park, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, you know, it's not really fair to Aaron Moy because... He would probably say otherwise, but I don't think he was 100% fit at the weekend. He certainly wasn't fully match sharp, which is not his fault. He's coming back off an injury. I think had Iwata played maybe five or six more games than he has to date, he would have been an easy choice to start um, because they're players of similar ability. 
but I think Iwata being that bit younger has the potential to get better um, but um, again it's the great thing about this Celtic team is you know we're missing Rio Hatati who is arguably our best midfielder and we still win fairly comfortably um, you know it's uh, it's really you know when you think about it since the since the World Cup, the three, for me, the, the, the three really big informed players have been Aaron Moy, Daisa Maeda, and Rayo Hatati. Um, and of course, Kyogo, right? But Hatati's injured. Moy doesn't have a great game. Maeda tries hard, but it's not happening for him either. So our three best players on form, none of them. Played a, played a major part in the game and yet we still managed to win. I think that speaks a lot to how far we've come because, you know, as, as, as recently as a couple of years ago, if we had three of our first team players who didn't play or didn't perform, we would have lost, no question. Yeah, absolutely. James, I want to, I want to touch on what um, Liam has, has brought up there. I don't think a lot is getting made of it. We were without probably our player of the year this season in Rio Hitati and also Leah Labada who's been phenomenal when he's been able to be an option off the bench and over the course of this season so while our midfield wasn't at its best there's so much potential to improve it isn't there when Moy gets back to his usual self when we bring Hitati back when we've got Abada as an option there really are some good areas for improvement there that, that we can see coming over the few next few weeks yeah, I thought we learned quite a few things about the midfield in that game. The first thing I want to mention, Matt O'Reilly, I thought, I think he's back. I thought it was a very good performance from Matt O'Reilly. Apart from the clumsy tackle to give away the free kick, which leads to the equaliser, I thought Matt O'Reilly had a very solid performance. We know he can be good defensively because he deputised in that holding role whilst Cal McGregor was out and he done it to great effect. We know he can defend very well. That was just sort of an anomaly from him. But his role in the first goal is absolutely important. The touch he takes to control it and take it past James Tavernier and then get it across to Kyogo, it's absolutely phenomenal play from Matt O'Reilly. So the first thing we learned, Matt O'Reilly's back. The second thing, Aaron Moy's going to take a few games to get up to speed because, like you mentioned, it's, it was shades of his sort of first few appearances at Celtic. We are like, we don't really know if this guy's going to work here, but after a few games under his belt, just got to persist with it. And once he gets going, he'll be just fine. And especially, he's getting on a bit. He's not a young player. He's 31, 32. After injury, it's going to take a bit of time for him to get back to his best form. But when he gets back to his best form, we're going to be loving life. And the third thing we learned was Rio Hitate is a big miss when he's not in that Celtic midfield. Mm. Absolutely a, f- a phenomenal player. A lot of people had him nailed on for play of the season this year. Mm-hmm. I think I predicted him as play of the season the start of the season not to toot my own horn but let's just hope we can get Rio Hitati back as soon as possible and it was good that you touched on Leo Abada there as well because a lot of people have said he's been underperforming this season but I think his stats would beg to differ and if he it, I wouldn't more focus on him being out injured I think in the summer is something we need to really look at because I think he's going to go and how big a miss he will be but it might not be that big a mishap because when we talk about Celtic's transfer strategy, if we can adequately replace a badder, then we might be just fine. The replacement might even be there in this team already in Hatsavanovic. I don't know what you thought of his cameo when he came on, but I thought he showed a few glimpses. I thought he was pretty good when he came on. I've been impressed by Haksbanovic, both you know when he came on at Dingwall, when he came on again at the weekend. What I like about him is the directness in the way he plays. I like the intensity, I like the directness, and I think he could be a really good replacement if Abada does choose to leave in the summer. One thing that's been brought up in the comments, um, and one thing that we've discussed a lot throughout the course of the last few weeks, is the benefit that Celtic has is that we do have this great strength and depth. We have really good quality players at our disposal. So even when we do have a Hitati out, even when we do have a bad out, we are still beating our closest rivals. Um, and again, that's great credit to the quality that we've been able to, to build within the squad. And we've seen it deployed regularly throughout the season when it gets to 60 minutes, 70 minutes. You know, we're making five substitutions and the substitutions are not dropping the standard of football that we're seeing being played because we do have the strength and depth. And it's a tactic that's worked for us really well over the course of the season but one tactic I think that we saw 
on Saturday, which was slightly different in terms of being able to change a game, was Angie's formational tactics. Um, I think he used that slightly differently than he's done before. Um, and it's something that we're not overly used to seeing. You when brought on all, we all assumed it was for Kyogo, but instead Kyogo stays on, which is unusual. We've never really seen this 4-4-2. I think it even became a 4-2-2-2, which um, is different. It's not something that Andrew usually tries. Um, I think the reasoning behind this at the time, I think the momentum was very much with the team at that point. I think Andrew, to be honest, I think he was looking for a fourth goal. Um, I think he was really going to push on and try and take that tie to them. It didn't quite work out. We lost the goal. It went to 3-2. Um, but when that happened, Andrew acted immediately again. He adapted the formation again. He changed it back. Yoga came off. So, you know, one thing, one thing continually changing it with the subs, but now he's starting to play with formation and tactics. That must be so tough to play against. You know, not only are you changing the game with the quality substitutions that we've talked about before. It's this sort of formation change that keeps them on their toes. And I think it did that. And it'll be interesting to see if we see more of that going forward. Kyogo and Giacomacchus were very rarely on the pitch at the same time. But I wonder, Lawrence, if we will see more of a Kyogo and O partnership, will we start to see a bit more of that going forward? It's certainly great to have these options at our disposal, isn't it? Yeah, listen, Jared comes on quite often and he assures us that Ange won the league by playing a double pivot before. So, yeah, you, you know, his teams have done it before. we are maybe not seen it a lot at Celtic, but you know, you'd expect him to, to, to bring it in and, and start experiment. All, all out, you know, again, cracking the morning, shout for a penalty and, and Suter when he died down and caught the ball. I don't know how Suter gets a free kick for that, you know, because it looks like it was catching him. Aksabanovic, the return of the Govan Strangler on him. He'd done well to, I suppose, <laughs> keep his uh, discipline there. But yeah, the ref seems it's fine, you know, getting grabbed around the net. But yeah, Ange changing things up. It didn't work this time, but he quickly changed it back. I think if Ange, you know, we said he's not uh, got a soft spot for anyone, I think, apart from Kyogo, I think maybe he's got a soft spot for Kyogo. He's thinking the boy's on a hat trick. I'll just leave him on, because I think you're right. He's thinking he's on a hat trick. Get a fourth goal, then he'll make the change. Formation didn't work, quickly changed the back. But yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see because I, I think, you know, Johnson's an upgrade and, and Juranovic, and I think O's definitely an upgrade in, in Yakimakis. So yeah, it'd be, it'd be great to see uh, the both of them on the path at the same time, own Kyogo, and see what, what they can produce. We'll maybe see Kyogo out in the wing, as Liam assures us he was a winger in Japan. Yeah. And look, listen, first season, I know he played at Ibrox on the wing and he put on a... I, I thought he was decent on the wing. He, he put a ball on the plate for Edward who, who should have burst the net and didn't. Yeah, maybe they say less about that. But uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be good to see the two of them on the park and yeah. the balls that they'll bring. I think so. Liam Ange doesn't have his favourites except Kyogo, does he? Um, but it will be interesting to see going forward, particularly... Now that the league title feels a little bit more comfortable, although I absolutely know Andrew will not see it like that until it's mathematically impossible. But with the position we're in, with the gap that we've created, with this 12 points clear, do you think at any point the thinking starts to turn to giving other players their opportunity on the pitch? Will we see more of players like Haksibanovic? Will we see more of Awata? Maybe even looking at the defence, do we get to see more of Kobayashi? Do we t turn to the sort of youth team? Do we get to see more of Rocco Vata? I think these are all options at Angie's disposal going forward. So does he start to introduce this into the squad for the remainder of the league campaign while we focus on, on our cup campaign? Or is it absolutely still all systems go and win this league by as many points as possible, not take the eye off the ball and not change a tried and tested formula? I think it's a wee combination of both. I think for the next three or four games, until it is mathematically out of sight, we we uh, we stay on target. And then once we get over the line, then we can look at bringing through some of these younger players. And how good would it be if we end up going to going to Ibrooks, you know, second or third last game of the season, league already won, and we can just field a reserve team. <laughs> It's certainly, it's certainly 
could end up a possibility. James, I'd probably agree with what Liam said there. I think we make sure that the league is mathematically over the line. And then we do turn to towards our, our attention towards next season. We do start to think about the players that will be here, the players that need more game time, the players that need to develop. And I would like to see that you know, players like Haksibanovic starting. I would like to see players like Rocco Bata, Ben Summers come in and, and get their chance. But we have to make sure that everything is is over the line first. If you were thinking about who we could start to, to bring in for, towards the end of the season, who do you think is going to make the biggest impact in this run-in that we might not have seen a lot of before? I think Haksibanovic has really been on the edge of, yeah. sort of breaking through. He's shown some flashes, but I think the game he started at Tynecastle, I was a bit disappointed with his performance. He didn't show me as much mm. as what I'd like to see. seems like you get players who are just bench players who they really shine when they come off the bench. A lot of people have used that to describe Leal Abada's impact off the bench is second to none, but Haksavanovic is a player I would like to see. I've always been an advocate for getting young players involved in the team, but they have to be there off of merit. You don't want to just give them a chance for the sake of it. And it's one of the only promises Ange made when he came into Celtic that I don't really think he's fulfilled is giving the youth players mm. a real chance. Ben Doak got a chance out of desperation to try and stop him from going to Liverpool and he eventually made the move. And I hope we can sort of give that a few chances. He'd already had the chance. I think he got two minutes away to Hibs mm-hmm. just after the break. I think he came on in the last away game as well. He's had some chances, if you want to call him that. So I'd like to see Rocco Vata get a few chances as well. But as long as we're not rotating the team that much where you're potentially sacrificing three points because we're still on to potentially break a points record. So I'd like to see us rotate a bit as long as we're not sacrificing the points. And when we go to Ibrox, full strength, no reserve team. Because I think the last time we rotated and went a bit of a reserve team, they beat us 2-0 and that, they carried that momentum over the next season. We know what happened then. So... I'd say go full strength at Ibrox, hammer them, don't take any prisoners there. But the other games, as long as they've earned it off of merit, give some players a chance. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I think that's right. I agree with you about the, the potential I brought tired. I don't think we want to to mix things up too much there. And we do want to reiterate that the gap is there, regardless of what we are being told um, in the media. Lawrence, I'll come to you on this one. We talked about the predictable media in the run-up to the game. You know, Colin had his bingo card out, and I think it was completed within a day. We heard, you know, about the Celtic injury crisis. We heard about the best players being sold. We heard that Rangers were getting a boost. And then after the game, it's the same level of predictability in terms of the narrative we're getting, which is that the gap isn't that big. And yes, it might be points, but points isn't the only way to judge it, apparently. But the points is the most important element. And it's 12 points now. And in terms of the supposed different gap, the one on the pitch, apparently, that we're being told exists, yes, they've come close, but they haven't managed to beat us. So again, there is this gap the narrative again is spun that the real Rangers haven't turned up yet. Well, firstly, why? After numerous opportunities. And secondly, I'd probably twist that. I don't think the real Celtic have really turned up too strongly in the most recent Derby games. I think we are capable of playing so much better than we have. You know, we talked about it already. I don't think our passing was as crisp as it usually is. I don't think a few of the players were at their best. So yes, maybe Rangers can improve in some of the future ties that we play against them. But so can Celtic, Lawrence. Listen, I thought Rangers were better than they were in the final and probably better against us than they've been for a long while. But a caveat, uh, let's go back to Tony McLaughlin's Celtic trends. We beat them by some considerable distance in every measure all over the park. So yes, they were better than they've been before, but they were miles away from us. We were beat by every measure. And... I think that speaks for itself, you know, the, the XG, we were on top, you know, passes made, we were on top, everything, we were some distance ahead of them. So, 
yeah, they played a bit better. They seem to have a tactic of you know one in three kicks and lumping the ball into the box and hoping for the best. They were better than they've been before, but still miles away. And the gaps, I suppose, it's bigger than just just twelve points now. You know, we're, we're even we're winning the Beale Fantasy Cup. You know, I inherited the nine point gap. That doesn't that doesn't count. It. It's what happened since I was here. Well, goal difference has increased in points. I mean, so uh, even beating Beale at his own we made up mind competition. The, the structural gap is what they need to face. You know, we've got ten thousand more seats. We've got a better commercial arm. They're playing catch up every season. They're starting with you know a ten to twenty million def- deficit every season over us, and that's before we even get into their finances and, and how they run. So, yeah, the, the the gap, I think it's getting bigger. They've got what nine players out of contract, something like that. Yeah, they've got court cases looming. You know, where they have got court cases looming, looming, we're looking at selling fees for Tierney and Frimpong. <laughs> you, yeah. you know, so they could lose six million in the Australia court case. I'm sure Hummel and Elite Sports will be after them for money as well. You could be getting six, five or six million if you know for if, if Frimpong gets sold in the same if Tierney gets sold. The gap is absolutely huge. And yeah, you're going I, to, you know, any game you want right, well, I think it has potential to only get bigger for all the reasons that you're saying. Um, our friend of the show, Declan McConville, um, has come in to join us today. You'll all remember him from the usual Tuesday Club. Um, Declan says that Rangers haven't beaten Celtic in 90 minutes since August 2021. So, you know, as Lawrence has said, the gap exists and it's continuing to exist. And for all the reasons he's mentioned in terms of the finances, it has potential to only get bigger. My concern would be, Liam, if I was a Rangers fan, is that the gap exists, it's there, it's there on and off the pitch. And instead of acknowledging that or seeming to make strides towards closing it, you have the players post-match in the media, not in the way that I would want my players to be reacting post-defeat. You know, Tavernier's coming out comparing themselves to Mbappe, Cantwell saying that they didn't lose the game. If the reverse had happened, there's absolutely no way Callum McGregor is bigging himself up in a post-match interview and he's not letting his teammates away with those sort of social media posts. You know, Cantwell's given Celtic their dressing room wall material for the cup semi-final on the same day as they've they've got beat. It's it's not what we'd see from a Celtic side, you know, Beale came out with the narrative about the refereeing decisions. Tavernier came out with the narrative about the refereeing decisions. I don't think that is something that you would see from Celtic. I think Angie's narrative, and it has been, is that is, you know, only one element of a game. It's one decision that happens in one element of the game, and there are plenty more opportunities throughout that game to go ahead and win the game. Um, looking at the Morelos one, if it had been given, if it hadn't. There are another 90-plus minutes in which you know you can win a game in, so you can't let your whole game be dictated by that one moment. You don't know that it changes the game. Maybe it changes it in Celtic's favour. Maybe Celtic kick on and score more. Whatever happens, I certainly would rather that my players use the remainder of the game to be trying to win it rather than complaining afterwards about the decisions, Liam. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole thing with Rangers... Right, or you know, this incarnation of Rangers, I should say, is that when they went bust in 2012, they should have completely rebuilt from the ground up. They should have been honest with their fans and said, Look, we might not win the league for another 10, 15 years, but we're going to rebuild this team. We're going to use young players. We're going to do it in a financially sustainable way. And if that had happened, we might have had we might have a you know a genuine fair challenger in Rangers now. But they didn't do that. They continued to spend money they didn't have. They continued to set unrealistic expectations for their fans. They continued to basically everything was a smokescreen rather than ever ever admit their own faults. It was always someone else's problem. Um, Compare that to, for example, I think the state of the, the this current Rangers team are in now, there's a lot of parallels with the state that Celtic were in when we sacked John Barnes back in 2000, right? Um, 
you know, I think much like Barnes, I think Beale is a guy who is completely out of his depth, but he is there because at the moment the uh, the club do not want to take a chance on anybody else, and he's basically gullible enough to take this job. Um, and the um, you know the level of rebuild. If you think of the level of rebuild that we had when Martin O'Neill came in, we completely stripped out that team. We signed got about a dozen players over the next six months. But the crucial mental difference was Martin O'Neill came out and said, day one, Rangers are the benchmark. So we want to win this league. They are the best team in Scotland at the moment. That's the team we've got to beat. Now, can you imagine, as realistic and as honest as it would be, if Beale came out and said that tomorrow? He would get lynched. <laughs> the, the, the Rangers fans would be going after his head. They would not accept that. And yet, that is the reality. And until they get that reality into their heads, deal with it, and have an honest and frank conversation with themselves about how to take their football club forward, this is going to continue. They might win the odd trophy here and there, but, you know, even taking the the season where we lost the 10 out of the equation, Rangers have only won something, what is it, like three or four leagues in the last 18 years, something like that. You know, the, the, the pattern of dominance by Celtic goes back a hell of a lot further than just the nine in a row. Um, it does, it does. Yeah. Um, and for our point of view, of course, we do hope that this continues in the way that we are built and the way that we are building on the pitch and the way that we are stabilising behind the scenes um, certainly speaks volumes to the fact that this could continue and that's what we want to see. The one thing we don't want to be talking about after derby matches is the more unsavoury elements of the game. Um, and again, James, unfortunately, it is one that has come up. Um, and it, it feels like it's... We're, here we go again, you know, after the women's derby. We're talking about our manager being headbutted after the beating game. We're talking about three red cards. And now after the first team derby, the news is populated by the threats and the abuse received by Kevin Clancy. Now... It is despicable, and regardless of any refereeing performance, you absolutely cannot condone, no matter what camp you're in or what football team you support, you can surely not condone the abusive messages being sent to him, his family, his work. The guy is doing a job at the end of the day. Um, and while, of course, you can't control or condone the actions of a few mindless individuals, you can take more care in terms of fanning a flame that results in such actions. And how disappointing is it, James, to see that after a derby where we should be talking about the football, there is so much of the news being populated by the, the awful messages that have been sent to Kevin Clancy. Well, Police Scotland are investigating it now, so we'll see what they can come up with. But I've seen, I've watched Celtic for many years and I've never, I've seen bad refereeing performances as well when I've watched Celtic games. But I've never thought, I've never been that angry at a refereeing performance where I've searched up his LinkedIn and find his contact information, his wife's contact information, and send messages or emails to them filled with absolute bile. I don't know what goes through the mind to do something like that. It's, it's just just leave it and leave it in the ground. I know I know they weren't there, but just leave the shouts in the ground. Ah, come on, ref! What's that? Everybody gets annoyed at ref, but there's no need. It's He's a professional, he's, he's also a person. You don't need to go and lambast them with that. The police are investigating it now, it's all with them, and hopefully they can sort of find and uncover what they need to. Yep, absolutely. We hope that that is dealt with and that we don't see that going forward. Nobody wants that to be part of the game that we all love. We are... Got another tie this weekend. The action doesn't stop. Lawrence, we are away to Kilmarnock. Do you expect to see many changes made for that game? Or do you think that we're we'll see a very similar lineup to the one that started against Rangers on Saturday? Plus, I think it's going to be very similar and it's going to be another three points. But listen, to go back to the referees that James was talking about there, it's you know, a number of clubs have com complained about decisions this season. That's probably the most obvious one because you knew 
what the decision was. It was for a push, you know. Yeah. But it's the reaction to the reply saying, "No, we still don't accept that." You look, well, that's subjective. Was it a push or not? Well, not at any other clubs coming and go right. We're just not accepting. What on that? And the reaction of the fans, you know, threatening the guy. It's terrible. So we've got a situation where there's a reason there's no fans at these games now because it's no safe. We've had a physio bottled. We've had, a, you know, you speak to fans for other clubs can't go to Ibrox, it's not safe. You've got the women's team's manager headbutted. You now get referees under threat from France at the same club. You know, what were, you know, there's a lot of pressure on the referees coming up for the semi final. And it's probably time for the SFA to step in and say, well, we, you know, we, we need to do something here. And I, and I think bringing foreign refs take the pressure away from the Scottish refs. If you're a Scottish ref now and you're going to get... I mean, that's what arguably the only decision Rangers have had going against them all season. I don't even think it's a contentious decision. You know, he pulls Johnson one way and pushes him over. I know Liam was on the game, he didn't think there was enough in it, but it, it's definitely subjective. You know, it, it, it's not like, you know, blatant handball that's just not given. Uh, or, or, you know, a penalty given when the tackle's outside the box. So there's a lot of pressures on these refs, and I think it's by design, but Rangers, you know... When do we think Kevin Clancy will get his, his next Rangers game? Who knows? We've got a semi-final coming up, and I think the SFA need they've got a duty of care to the refs here, and I think they need to look at bringing in foreign refs, take the Scottish guys out out the firing line, and and they need to sit down and look with the clubs and go, well, look, you know, if you question decisions, just come in, out, and you need you need to be aware of what you're doing. We say we just don't accept your explanation. And anyone that doesn't accept that that was a push and a push is a a foul. Well, you know, that's the rules. You know, if you push somebody, it's a foul. Sometimes, you know, you might say, well, it's soft. But you've got to accept that that's genuinely what it's given for. They're not making anything up here. They're not hiding anything. So I think the SFA's got a duty to carry it to the refs and, and probably, you know, to the fans that's going to be attending that game as well to try and take the, the heat out of the situation and bring in some, some foreign refs. You know, sorry, Absolutely. just to jump... Just to jump I just drop off that. there for a second, Lawrence. I yeah. promise that was not because you were talking about referees <laughs> and more to do with an internet connection. Um, we are yeah. just about out of time. But Liam, I'll come to you before we tie up. Yeah, I the was just going to add there, sorry, to, 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 okay. just to carry on what, what Lawrence was saying there, that I'm a school teacher, right? And if I have a kid who's misbehaving and I do not, take a disciplinary action against that kid. Like, say, you know, if you do this, you're going to get extra homework, you're going to get detention, whatever. Guess what happens? Tomorrow he does it again. Last week, Fran Alonso gets headbutted. Nothing is done. A mealy-mouthed apology where Fran was mentioned in the last paragraph of a multi-paragraph thing um, is all we get. And, uh, you know, guess what happens? They lose another game and there's more violence and threats of violence because when you don't punish a petulant child for bad behaviour, you encourage more bad behaviour. And that's, unfortunately, Rangers are the, the problem child of Scottish football now. <laughs> One thing we can hope for going forward into the game on Sunday is that hopefully we will have a weekend where we are not dominated by discussion about refereeing and refereeing decisions and VAR. But I certainly um, don't hold up much hope for that and I won't be holding my breath. Whatever happens, let's hope it is a Celtic victory, another three points as we take a step closer to mathematically securing the league title this season. That has been a quick hour, but one I have very much enjoyed. So, um, James, Liam, Lawrence, thank you for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind.
Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.